Hi, everybody. Welcome to That's Life, where my jet lag is long past. I sound like a New Yorker, and I don't even remember how to say croissant. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch. He'll be coming up at just, uh, you know, 11 o'clock, top of the hour. Do not miss that. It seems that Nahum has a lot uh, in store for uh, for the two of us today. You know, he likes to pull these little segments out of um, out of the air, and so that he and I can have a fun conversation uh, during the live lunch. So I'm looking forward to that. If you're a new listener, thank you. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. We are coming to you from the home of the Nahum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side on this beautiful Thursday. I say that tongue-in-cheek because it's raining and disgusting outside, but hey, Boker Tova from me. Boker Tov, just come as early as I do and you won't get rained on. Yeah, you know what? It's sort of like spitting when I came into the studio uh, uh, Yoni asked me if it was raining. I'm like, it's more like it's spitting. But um, I just want you to see, you know, I got, um, I have a snow globe collection here on my desk. This is my newest snow globe. It was a Hanukkah present. It plays music. You know what it plays? What? Yankee, Yankee Doodle Dandy, <laughs> um, which is so much fun. And uh, this is probably the only snow that New York City is going to see right now. because. Let's hope so. Because uh, it's a Schwitz outside. No, that's not funny. New York doesn't really clean up their snow very well. Me. And it will impede a lot of people if it snows a lot. Listen, Houston boy over there in the corner, just, just do me a favor, sit there and be quiet. You, commuter, it doesn't matter. Snow, Hey, New you York, know, when there's winter. big snow, it's easier for me to get into the city than you guys. I know, guys. that's true. <laughs> that's true. Because something about the the, uh, the bus is it always runs. The Long Island Railroad gets nervous when it's, you know, raining outside. What do I know? Uh, follow us on Twitter, folks. Nahum Net, all one word. Miriam L. Wallach, all one word. My thanks to everyone for their help last week. It certainly was a team effort. Paris was incredible. Paris was crazy. Paris was a whirlwind. Paris seems like a long, long time ago, right, Jamie? I know, I know. It's welcome just, back, by the way. Thank you. First thank time you. I'm seeing you. Welcome back, yes. Mazel Tov. It was a looked like a huge success. The concert was great. I was watching it and listening to it. It was uh, the whole thing was awesome. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of hard work by everyone. It certainly was a team effort. That is for sure. And my thanks. As always, to David Fadida at FDD Productions in Israel. If you really want a job very well done and done perfectly, he's the guy to call. Um, you know, what's funny, Rami, is when you're saying you were watching the, the concert, being there and being in the front row, not being able to see the reaction of the crowd, and by the crowd I mean the 3,000 people who had packed the synagogue, I had my own experience, my own, like, nachas really watching it all come together and sitting next to Jamie and the two of us are like, oh my God, this is this is really happening. But when I watched it online, when I watched it afterwards as a viewer, as a spectator, somebody like, you know, just watching a TV show, it was such a different experience, but also incredibly, incredibly moving. And then I wonder, depending on where I was sitting in the synagogue, what kind of an experience I would have had. There were just so many facets to the concert and to being in that space, it was um, it was certainly a once in a lifetime thing. And uh, every time somebody says, "Well, next year you should," <laughs> I stop them. <laughs> I stop them because this was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and we're we're happy we took it. And um, and yeah, it was. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what else to say because I'm I, I feel. There, there are a lot of emotions that are running through me, but the truth of the matter is, is we should keep it for the live lunch, uh, and I'll discuss it with Nahum. Let's do this quickly. We haven't done a fortune cookie in a while, and we've been incredibly fortunate, so we're going to do this, and i got to get to our guest. Oh, shoot. I'm going to have to open this up with my teeth on the air. No. Okay, good. 
Um, last thing I need to do is go back to the dentist. Yes, for those of you who saw my uh, Facebook picture last week, I had to go to the dentist in Paris. Did you see that, Avram? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah, it's it's hysterical. Is the experience very different there than it is here? Uh, it's a lot more expensive. I'll tell you that much. And here there is no Eiffel Tower outside of the dentist's chair. Here's my uh, my fortune. There appear to be many clouds, but they quickly pass. Well, that's true because it's supposed to be sunny tomorrow. Let's quickly do the national holidays and let's get to our guests. There is so much to talk about in terms of paranoia that I'm getting nervous. Clean Air Day. Is today, December 17th. Not sure how that affects on this crazy weather. It's also free shipping day, uh, which is the 7th, which is nice to know. It's National Regifting Day. Shouldn't that be the day after, after? I mean, shouldn't that be the 26th? Isn't that the day you regift or today is the day you regift? I don't know, but now I'm going to be wary of anybody who gives me something today. And finally, it's the Wright Brothers Day, which is actually something that I knew. We announced that every year on the 17th. By the way, shout out to the Central JV Volleyball Team. They beat the Hafter JV Volleyball Team last night. They played a great game. But on the flip side, we split that. A shout out to the Hafter Varsity Volleyball Girls Team. They beat the formerly undefeated Central uh, Varsity Team last night in three straight Games. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and Mazal Tov to all of the participants. You're listening to That's Life, and let's get to our first and only guest. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and a long time we have not spoken to Dr. Michael Solomon, who is a fellow of the American Psychological Association. He's also the founder and director of ADC Psychological Services in New York. My, Dr. Solomon has been on that's life a number of times. I welcome him back to the program. Good morning, Dr. Solomon. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back from France. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I have um, enough toy Eiffel Towers and, um, <laughs> and macaroons in my fridge to last me a lifetime. That is for sure. But it's interesting that we have the opportunity to talk about France and to talk about um, a, a number of the different things going on in terms of stress levels and threat levels and security issues, which is the reason that I really asked you to join me on the air this morning, not just because of your recent piece in uh, for Times of Israel on, on your blog section. There's an article entitled Comforting Fears, which is timed obviously very well with the number of attacks that are going on in Israel and the attack in Paris. But the, but the reason I... Everything this time so perfectly is, and I appreciate you welcoming back from France, is that one of the comments, one of the questions I've been getting so often from people after they ask me how the concert was, is they ask me if I was afraid. Yeah. And, and you know what? Everybody is thinking it, even though they may not be asking it outright. Were you afraid? So were you? No, and that's probably part of the problem. And, and, and that's one of the things that I definitely want to get into, um, is that I was never afraid. I made three trips to Paris in seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, one was before the attack. One was after the attack. And then the last one was just last week um, for our concert of Jewish unity. So there was a... You know, there was a time where, uh, I mean, when I was in Paris the first time, there was nothing looming. You know, there wasn't a threat level looming. There wasn't a disaster or, or this, un, you know, this palpable fear that was burdening me. Not at all. Not, not at all. And I had all these trips scheduled no matter what. And then there was, it was, you know, that, that unforgettable Friday night. And it was maybe a couple minutes before candlelighting that somebody texted me 
something happened in Paris. But at that point, AP didn't really have anything. But when you woke up in the morning and you saw the paper, I mean, I gasped. My husband looked at me and said, all right, we have to talk about this. That Matze Shabbos, um, Nachum and I met on a Saturday night at both of our spouses' requests to really discuss this, see if the concert was going to be able to go forward. But part of what I think is a problem with me, and I joke that we really shouldn't analyze me on the air, but I imagine that my fearlessness is not something that I'm the only one who feels. There have to be other people out there like me, though there are plenty of people who are obviously afraid. I have a certain innate fearlessness that is both a plus and a minus. And I wonder, in your opinion, is my being fearless or this sense, this New Yorker sense that nothing's going to happen to me anyway, is that a plus in your opinion or a minus? Yes. (laughs) Okay, then. Yeah. You know, I just came back from two weeks in Israel. And before I went, I can't begin to tell you how many people said to me, are you sure you want to go? Um, Maybe you shouldn't walk the streets. Maybe you should be very vigilant when you're there. Um, Maybe you shouldn't even go, you know, my parents are buried on Harazetim, not Valavs, and maybe you shouldn't go there, even though we have a friend who's in the Mishtarah and the police who took us. uh, You shouldn't go. Um, But uh, my attitude, my wife's attitude is that we just go and do our thing, and we was fine, actually perfectly fine. Um, The problem is, uh, most people don't feel that way. They give in to fears that are not necessarily totally realistic. Uh, so I know for a fact that certain airlines cancel their flights to Israel or to Paris, uh, or they combine flights, or they use smaller planes, because people were canceling their flights mm. out of fear. In fact, just before the Thanksgiving Day Parade and, and Macy's Parade in, in Manhattan, um, I, I received a bunch of questions from people, because some of them know that I have a connection with the FBI and, and the police, and they were worried about going to the parade. Oh, wow. And they asked if I would find out for them how safe it was. Mm. Uh, not that I am a policeman myself, but, you know, I did ask uh, uh, an FBI acquaintance who said he was going to be there, not in his professional role, but with his grandchildren. Oh, wow. Um, and he had no fears about going. So part of it, 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 you need to be vigilant in these times, but you need to be realistic in these times also. Otherwise, you'll lose sight of, of your sense of self and your place in the world. By the way, that's what terrorists want us to feel. They don't want us to be comfortable with ourselves. They want us to be afraid. So, but on the other hand, you have me, who is the complete extreme to the other side. I am, it's not that I'm not aware that there's a, that there are credible threats out there. And we have to talk about um, the, the threat that forced Los Angeles school, the Los Angeles school district to close down or not to open, I should say, just a couple of days ago, um, all of the schools on Tuesday, because they felt that they had a credible threat that prevented them from keeping their students safe, and therefore they, ref- they advised everyone to stay home, and they closed the schools. And at the same time, Mayor de Blasio here in New York said that not only were there no credible th- threats against the public schools here in New York, but at the same time, he downplayed the threat level that Los Angeles had experienced in saying that he did not believe that that threat was enough to close the schools. I'm not, I'm, uh, it's unbeknownst to me why he gets to make that judgment call. But then that begs the question, do we get to question other people's levels of threat and what they feel is credible? Well, part of the problem is we have to have people that we trust who can make those kinds of decisions for us. And we don't always have that. Um, the, the threat level 
that we hear about through the media is not necessarily what um, we should be responding to because that, that's meaningless to us. Whatever the level is, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to now bunker down and, and, and pack away food for the next six months. Mm. Um, it, unless, unless we're told to do that by people who know what they're actually talking about, we should go about our daily lives. Otherwise, we are making ourselves more anxious than we should be, and otherwise we're giving into fears and creating more fears. The more fear you give into, the more fear you create, the more phobic you become. And we can't afford to do that to ourselves. That's, that's so counterproductive, I can't begin to tell you how, how pathological it is. You know, people who develop phobias don't develop them just because they wake up one morning like that. It's a matter of fears building up over time and feeling like you have no control in your life. Um, so to prevent that, what you need to do is be more realistic about the threat level and, and know who to turn to to get the right kind of information mm. and know how to protect yourself properly. I'm kind of frightened a little bit by people taking their fears to the next level in terms of their own phobias, but I'm also afraid of people who are to protect themselves or um, justifying protecting their community are going out and getting guns, and they really don't know how to use them or when to use them, and they carry them all the time, and God knows what's going to come of that. Right, right. We have our own little militias going on in the five towns. I know that you and I both know plenty of people who have firearms in their homes, and I am not a proponent, nor am I against people exercising their, you know, their 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 um, Second Amendment right to bear arms. I that's that's a decision everyone makes on their own. But there certainly is an increase of people looking to have a protection in their home. And truth be told, um, a number of people know this about me, and I, I don't have a problem mentioning it on the air, that, number one, I, I carry mace with me um, at the advice of a police officer who stopped me very early in the morning one day going to when, when I was at the gym, who advised me that if I was going to be around even the five towns very early in the morning or when it's still dark at night, that I should be carrying mace. And I also carry a Swiss Army knife. And I don't think that that is the same level of having a of getting a registered firearm, <coughs> but I guess that's my own comfort level. Okay, which is fine. <coughs> you know, but you're not you're not walking around pretending that you're you're sheriff of the town and you're going to save the whole town from from the marauders who are on their way in. Right, and that's my concern. You know, people get these weapons; they want to use them to protect themselves. I understand that, and I understand Second Amendment and, and all that stuff that goes with it, but I, I don't see that I want these individuals who are not trained, who have been to a shooting range once, mm, right. <laughs> telling right. us how, to, how, how they're going to protect us in school or on the streets or whatever. Do you think it's interesting, by the way, that a number of people who have asked me if I found myself being nervous or was worried about security in Paris, that they're all Israelis? I've had a number of Israelis, people calling me who live in Jerusalem, saying, were you nervous? Were you nervous in Paris? And I, there's some kind of... An irony about that, or am I just, or, or am I just not paying enough attention to the fact that Israelis are so resilient, and that the French are not resilient in their uh, recovery? Not a criticism, but they're not as resilient. Obviously, the Israelis are an exception to this rule in terms of just how resilient they are. But the French take longer to recover, and by their own admission, which is part of the, you know a number of the conversations that we had while we were overseas as to just how long it is taking them to all come back out of their homes and try to um, try to re-enter normal life. Do you think it's interesting that the Israelis have been asking me if I'm nervous, if I was nervous? 
I think you're right. I think the Israelis are a lot more resilient. I think that they're a lot more vigilant in general, and I think they know what to do. Uh, you know, while I was in Israel, we spent a lot of time with family and friends, and um, they asked how we felt, and then we got to discussing whether or not they were walking around with uh, mace or mm. pepper spray or, or their own weapons, and some of them yes and some of them no. And you know, it was all basically an individual decision based on how comfortable they fe felt and which neighborhoods they, they lived in. But they went about the normal routines as much as possible. In particular, one relative who, who was a school teacher uh, who has the right to carry a weapon absolutely refused to do so and mm. would not even carry mace because her attitude was, uh, I'm a school teacher. I don't want to risk doing the wrong thing, even though I've been trained to use it properly. I'm afraid mm. that if the kid's around, uh, I might overreact or not aim properly, and I don't want that responsibility. Mm. And I think that's a very healthy kind of an attitude because, you know, she she's basically reacting to the, the reality of the moment and hoping and understanding and knowing that there are people around who can make better decisions because they're better trained and, and have better reflexes at that point. Uh, I, I don't think that the French have enough experience with it. I don't think Americans have any experience right. with it, except for September 11th and, and those who unfortunately were in situations where there have been some terror attacks. We just don't know what to expect or how to deal with it. And I think we have to leave it to the professionals. Right. So don't you think it's crazy that I'm so cavalier about my security? I'm, I, it's, it's, and I, I'm saying that wholeheartedly. Like, I, if I remove myself from the situation, if I discuss this with you completely on surface level and talking about, you know, person A who walks around or who goes into different places, and, and if Nahum was here, he would attest to the fact that we have been in a number of, um, you know, uncomfortable situations over the last year and a half, et cetera, that have possibly put our, you know, put ourselves at risk and are not in safe areas, so to speak. And I walk around like I'm walking down Fifth Avenue, like there's nothing going on. So I, I look at myself every once in a while saying, you're the mother of six, you're an adult, you're 40 years old, like, be an adult. Be you know. Stop walking around like but you know like nothing's going to happen to you. Like you're completely impervious to this. But that's just it's just my nature. I I don't know why. Well, you want me to tell you crazy? Yeah, go for <laughs> it. We I, nobody's listening. Don't worry, Doc. Nobody's listening. <laughs> but no, look. You 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 need to be safe. You need to be smart. But sometimes it's better to just be casual. Again, it depends on who you are and how you deal with your fears and 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 how realistic you are. If you're not being realistic and there's a real threat. Uh, and you're not crossing the street when you should cross the street to get away from that threat, right. uh, then, you're, then you're a fool. <laughs> then right. you're deliberately causing a problem for yourself. But if, if you're realistic and you're carrying that mace with you and, and you know how to use it properly and, and you have reason to be where you are, then, then you're not foolish. Then you're doing the right thing. We were out at dinner with, and by we, I mean Nachum and I were out at dinner in Paris um, a couple of weeks ago on our second trip with members of our Israeli team. And they did not want to sit near the window. I, I looked at them. I said, are you for real? And they said, yeah, we don't want to sit near the window. When we're in Israel, we know what we're looking for. Here in France, nobody knows what they're looking for. Right. And I like rolled my eyes and popped myself down next to the window because as the, you know, the cocky New Yorker, I don't know what I'm looking at in either direction. But again, you know, I, I have my mace on me. I think I'm fine. So I sit down there. But it was such a telling moment where the Israelis look at me and say, we know what we're looking for. And here and, they have no idea. And here in America we have no idea either. Correct. We really do not. Correct. There's something, uh, and, and while we joke that ignorance is bliss, in this case, ignorance is, is 
dangerous. It's, it's just ignorance. We don't know how dangerous it is yet. I don't want to scare people for no good reason. It's, it's, it's just ignorance. We need to learn more. We need to, we, that's why I keep saying we need to rely on people who are properly trained and know what they're looking for. And that you mentioned, actually, in your Times of Israel piece, which is interesting, which I'll explain why I found it so interesting. You mentioned your reaction to President Obama that Sunday night, which is actually the first night of Hanukkah, in his Oval, um, his Oval Office address about terrorism, about ISIS. And he is, you know, you, we look for leaders. We search for leaders. We, as a people, we elect our leaders in this wonderful democracy. And we we seem to continue to look to the Oval Office and watch the president fall short of that leadership. And when you expressed in your Times of Israel piece how we, we seek comfort from our leaders in their message and, and we say to ourselves, okay, he's in charge. We're going to be okay. He has a plan. And yet his, you know, President Obama's words fell flat again it left you, wherever you were watching it, it left you feeling like, ugh, I don't feel any better than I did before. And I'm sitting in the airport about to leave to Paris going, you know what, this, watching him isn't even worth my time. Right. That's, that's the problem of leadership on a, on a more global level at this point. We don't feel, at least here in America and maybe in France, we don't feel that our leaders really understand what's going on. Right. I have to say, though, in, in New York City and Nassau County and, and general the tri-state area, I think we do have leadership who, who is aware and understanding of what we're going through. I mean, Peter King, for example. Oh, is he the man or what? Yeah. He, yeah, I, I wish <laughs> he were running for president, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> right. He is on top of this, and he's always talking Absolutely. about it. And he's always, I happen to know from a variety of different levels that he's on top. He, he really is in touch with local uh, leadership, and, and he's providing information on what we, we need to do and how to do it. And, and from that perspective, that's great. I just wish we had that kind of leadership in, in the country. No, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I also want to give a shout out. I mean, as people who daven at the youngest role of Woodmere, we have a security team um, in our shul, as do, I would venture to guess, every shul in the New York, New Jersey area at this point, whether it's an overt team or an undercover team. There are people in the shul who are prepared in case of emergency. They know what they're looking for. I do feel a comfort. I don't, I don't look at it as, oh, what are these guys doing? I definitely feel a comfort walking into shul knowing that there are people both in the sanctuary and on the street and, and you know, perusing the perimeter who all know what they're looking for. They are our first line of defense. Right. And these people, they may have been trained in a limited way, but still they're trained, so they Correct. know what they're looking for, and that's an important issue here. Uh, these cowboys who show up with their guns in shul and quietly and show mm. them around to the other guys, those are the guys that scare me. Mm, that is an excellent point. Dr. Michael Solomon joins us. He is the Senior psychological and direct, Psychologist and Director of ADC Psychological Services in the Five Towns, 516-596-0073 or psychologicalhelp.org. With only the few minutes that we have left, Dr. Solomon, I do want um, our audience to understand that extreme anxiety and ex extreme stress without, seeing, uh, without receiving counseling or receiving some uh, some kind of professional help can really have physical um, uh, can have have negative physical effects on the body as well. People shouldn't think that these that psychological difficulties or emotional distresses are limited to just how a person emotionally feels. They do have physical impacts on your body as well. Correct. Cortisol, the stress hormone, is secreted whenever we are in a fight or flight situation. 
but we can secrete it even though we're not in a fight-or-flight situation if we think we're in a fight-or-flight situation. Mm. So fear can provoke the release of cortisol. Now, cortisol can be a good hormone or it can be a very bad hormone. It's good in short doses. It's good if we need it to get out of a situation that's bad. But if it's constantly pumping because we're anxious, then it's going to cause cause us to become forgetful. It's going to cause mm-hmm. us to feel... Um, it's going to cause us to have elevated blood pressure. It's going to cause us to have all kinds of other stress reactions that will, with time, break down parts of the body. It's a serious complication, and it must be addressed quickly. Um, and there are medications for it, but medications are not the first line of treatment. Reducing anxiety is through psychological pers- uh, approaches. Um, you don't want to medicate more medication. Right. Uh, and, and you don't want to add cortisol. Um, it's, it's a real issue. And, and, you know, that's why I don't think it's realistic to be constantly fearful. And that's why I think we need good leaders. And that's why I think we need to be very aware of our environment, but in a very healthy, straightforward, honest way, not where we create anxieties. Not creating anxieties. Very, very good, Musser. That is for sure. We want to be able to live life, to be aware of our surroundings, but not to overstate what we see around us, not to make it more than it is. Exactly. But staying safe is obviously the number one priority for everyone. Amen. (laughs) Dr. Michael Solomon, again, Senior Psychologist and Director of ADC Psychological Services, 516-596-0073. You can also check him out on the Times of Israel blog. He is a wonderful writer and, as always, the best contributor of sound advice (laughs) here on That's Life. Doc, thank you so much. Pleasure. My pleasure as well. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Truth is, every time I have on Dr. Solomon, I feel like I've had my own little therapy session. Not sure. Everybody's like, yes, well, actually, you have. Truth be told, I'm not exactly sure why I need to do it with an audience. But, hey, that's just the way we roll. Uh, live lunch starts in just a few minutes here at, here at 11 o'clock Eastern time. Starts with brunch, ends with lunch. Nachum will be in in just a few moments. You do not want to miss that, of course. And then we have the whole afternoon filled with original programming. And, yes, you'll hear the song coming up in just a moment. Uh, my good buddy, Ohad, the uh, the new CD is called Segula. Nachman's been playing a lot of it, and for good reason. It's actually phenomenal. Track 8 is now my newest fave on this on this uh, album. It's called Besorot Tovot. Truth of the matter is, we could all use a little good news every once in a while, and that's what this song talks about getting good news and sharing good news don't forget that tomorrow morning six to nine in the morning jm in the am live here on the stream nachum 90.1 90 uh 91.9 and 91.1 fn weekly update with malcolm Holine, 7 40 a.m eastern time don't want to miss that uh and then absolutely 9 a.m another exciting edition of table for two with naomi nachman she is so cute you don't want to miss her and her accent saturday night seagull what do you don't ha- you don't think she's cute over me okay so i can say she's cute i think she's a lot of fun uh saturday night seagull ah nachman's in the room saturday night seagull hosted by Avrami. after that is rabbi yy jacobson and eternal flame david lichtenstein at 11 p.m hosts headlines Monday shabbos sunday morning JM Sunday from 7 to 9 in the morning with Matis. You don't want to miss that as well. Again, make sure to check out our homepage. You can watch the video from the concert there. You can watch all of the videos that we took last week in Paris on our homepage. You don't want to miss it. You can watch it in its enti- in their entireties or in sections. It's completely up to you, but make sure to have been a part of the Jewish Unity Initiative. That's life, everybody.
Bye, guys. Oh, oh.